0: and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 55 of the Global Geek News Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are
1: going a lot better.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear. I saw the tweet yesterday, and it's good to hear that things are looking up.
1: Yeah, my life isn't over. That's good. <laughs> yeah,
0: had me worried there for a little bit. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, especially... Was It last week. I'm sitting here, it's like, okay, is he ever going to come online? Is he still alive? Did he kill
1: himself? (laughs) Sorry about that.
0: (laughs) My apologies. Yeah, that's all right. I kind of understood the next morning when I saw the tweet. Yeah. So, yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh. Now I understand why.
1: Yep, yep. But. Yeah, I should be pretty regular now on, you know, um unless some unexpected circumstances, so no more departures from me. Sorry for the gap.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear. Speaking of which, we do have a couple of scheduling issues coming up that might as well go ahead and make everybody aware of rather than holding it off till the end of the show. Um what is it? Week after next, the twenty. when we normally record on the twenty second Uh, We'll probably be releasing at some other time during the week rather than the Tuesday morning because Monday night when we normally record, I have an Epica concert in Denver to go to. So expect a late show that week. And then the week of March 15th.
1: uh, Ooh, yes. That whole week is going to be touching good. Well, I I don't think I'll be able to record that week.
0: Yeah, I think my week will pretty much be shot since i just found out this afternoon that i am going to be going to mix in vegas on behalf of microsoft so from the 14th to the 18th i know i'll be gone and i don't have a clue what the internet situation will be like so i'm guessing we probably won't have a show that week from the sounds of
1: it yeah because the 11th through the 17th that'll be at south by southwest
0: oh i totally forgot that's kind of When that is, I was thinking about going there, but now that I realize that's kind of about the same time, that kind of throws that idea out the window. Yeah. Uh, We're both busy, I guess. Yeah, that's too bad. I was kind of hoping to actually make it down there this year. Actually, I'm kind of looking to see if maybe at some point I can get down to see one of the last remaining shuttle launches. Because there's only four more space shuttle launches left.
1: Yeah, I would love to see that. I mean... It's the, the, this year's the last year, and then no more. That's kind of sad, but I really would love to go see a launch. Did you stay up and watch the launch at
0: 3 o'clock this morning or whatever it was?
1: Oh, no, no, no. This is actually a particularly really busy week for me. Mm. So I'm going to concentrate on getting as much sleep as possible to prevent any, any sicknesses or problems, because every day I am booked up every night this week. Uh, hmm. even even this weekend it's complicated
0: hmm. yeah i I stayed up till oh I guess it was probably close to well, I went to bed then I woke up with about ten minutes left in the countdown and stayed up, watched the countdown or watched the shuttle launch, and then I went back to bed probably wasn 't the best idea because when I woke up, I kind of woke up late and ended up late to work but at least I got to watch the last night shuttle launch,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which that makes me very sad. But, yeah, you're not the only one with a busy schedule. I got more stuff going on than I can even comprehend, and I got started school back on Thursday, so I got a whole new quarter of that that I'm having to deal with. So I've got plenty to keep me busy. Plus I've got... Uh, number of posts that I still need to get up regarding my trip to Microsoft two weeks ago that I plan on getting up. Hopefully I've got one post up so far on the blog at globalgeeknews.com slash blog, and I've got at least three others in the works that I plan on getting up this week, and probably even some video from my talk with the couple of guys from the Surface team and playing with the Surface table a little bit. But all that stuff will be on the blog at globalgeeknews.com slash blog, which you can follow along on the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. So for for those of you that like to look into the stories a little bit further than what we go, we don't always necessarily hit all the points of them. We do our best. But if you'd like to read with them as we go along, you can find those at globalgeeknews.com. And speaking of which, let's go ahead and dive right into our first story, Apparently, Google is working on the Star Trek Universal Translator.
1: Yeah, this is kind of a neat idea, but it kind of scares me at the same time. What it does is, I'm not, from my understanding, it'll actually translate phone calls in real time. So you could be talking to someone who's speaking a totally different language. They'll be able to understand you, and you'll be able to understand them.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of curious to, just to know just how digitized the voice is going to sound.
1: Well, I think the way that it's implemented in Android right now for the voice recognition is that what it does is it records your voice when you speak into it. It gets uploaded to Google server, and the actual translation or the the understanding of the words is done on their server side, and then the result is then transferred back over to the phone. So if you've heard of people saying, well, I just do voice to text to write an email or do a text or do a text message that's what's happening and that being said google if this is built into google voice or for real-time communications that means google is going to be listening in on every single one of your communications that it needs for translation
0: yeah that'll be kind of interesting i'm kind of curious to see how they're going to get around like some privacy stuff as far as That's concerned since they're translating the message on the fly, which I would assume that's all going to have to be done server side because I don't know if you'd have that much power in a phone. Yeah. But that I don't know. It's going to be one of those interesting things. I kind of had my first experience with Google's translation stuff last week when I pretty much when I think it was like the first time I had anybody leave me a message on my Google Voice number. And I was amazed at just how accurate it was. And it could basically tell you just how accurate it is based on, or how sure it is in terms of accuracy based on um, just how dark the text is. So it's mm-hmm. like, if it's real light, maybe it's not too sure of the word. But if it's real dark, then it's definitely sure that that's the word that the person said when they left the voicemail or whatever. Yeah. And... When you compare that to, like, the voice commands and stuff, and or the speech to text in the early Vista days, it's a major improvement. Which I'll try to remember to post a link in the show notes of a hilarious video from, I think it was probably when Vista was in beta at the time of uh, some guy basically trying to write I think it was a real basic Perl script using the speech to text and it basically t- I think it took him like over ten minutes just to write like two or three lines of Perl script because it was so bad
1: Hello World kind of a thing?
0: yeah pretty much huh. I, I don't think it was Hello World it was something else but it uh, it's hilarious there's a little bit of language in it not too much but it it's quite entertaining <laughs> but I'll make sure to stick that in the show notes as well but yeah this should be interesting I'm, it, they said it's still a couple of years out before they can get this out into the handsets and stuff but I would assume that this would be coming to Android phones
1: yeah and they probably, probably might need like future like um, LTE networks to get enough bandwidth to do the data transfer for all the voices up and down uh, to do the real time translation
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how good of an experience it turns out to be. But speaking of good experiences, apparently in terms of customer satisfaction, Microsoft is outpacing Apple thanks to Windows 7.
1: Yeah, um, so it says that basically they went from uh, 64% approval to 73%, which is a bigger jump. Uh, which is about fourteen percent jump, which is bigger than Apple's, which was uh, only a six point nine percent jump.
0: Yeah, this, this was from basically the point that Windows Seven launched to um, the end of two thousand and nine, and then in terms snow of ap- a- Apple, it's when Snow Leopard launched to the end right. of two thousand and nine.
1: But the thing is, to me, that makes sense. To me, it makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me because. Apple does releases more often than Microsoft. Thus, you expect incremental improvements, so smaller jumps, as opposed to the three- to four-year release cycle of Windows, which you hope to expect a bigger jump from 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 Microsoft than you would from Apple. So thus, the satisfaction should go up.
0: I was actually kind of surprised that Microsoft had 64% concerning considering this was talking about Vista,
1: yes, right, the pre
0: windows seven days,
1: but you gotta realize also that the sixty four percent were probably people who are running x p
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure probably most of them were, but I don't know I was always a big fan of Vista, so not the i mean, I love Windows seven, and I think it's a whole lot better, but I, I other than when Vista first came out and it took me about a dozen installs to get a working install going. I had always liked it. There were some strange audio issues here and there, but otherwise I never had an issue at all with Vista.
1: Yeah, they currently have some battery issues with some OEMs that they're fighting through now. And I think actually I heard about... There's still there's rumors about Windows 8 already, about it coming out in 2011, but um, that's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, I heard something about, I think, Beta or maybe an announcement or something like that in 2011, Mm -hmm. something to that extent. I I know I've seen various job postings and stuff looking for somebody that knows like about 128-bit CPU architecture and stuff like that, and and some of the possible features coming in it. But I don't know, I, I didn't get... When I was up at Microsoft a couple weeks ago, I didn't get much, maybe it's because everybody was a little tight-lipped, I don't know, but I didn't get much of a sense that Windows 8 was really a focus at this point. It seemed to be um, making sure that Windows 7 is what it should be and just trying to make sure that that's supported right now and just kind of focusing on getting that out there before they focused on Windows 8. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That that's just kinda the the feeling I had. I never I never could get really an answer out of anybody or anything. It seemed to be all kinda hush hush. Not as hush hush as it was concerning the um Windows mobile phone or Zoom phone or whatever it is that's gonna be
1: Project Pink.
0: Yeah, that's gonna be announced at um World Mobile Congress in Barcelona. Is that is that this week or next week? Uh f- think it's this week, actually. Say, I was thinking it's, it's this week, but I'm not sure. I know I'm certainly looking forward to it. I'm kind of curious to see what the whole strategy is in terms of Windows Mobile 7 and the Zoom player.
1: Uh, it's next week. It's the 15th or the 18th.
0: Next week? Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, that's certainly something to look forward to next week anyway.
1: Yeah, especially the all the rumors about single tasks and uh, no uh, .NET compatibility. Everything would have to be ported over to this new OS. Um, yeah. It's, all good. it's still no Flash support, but those are all rumors, of course.
0: Yeah. Well, the whole multitasking thing isn't really, to me, a big deal. I mean, if it can at least save the state of an application. I really don't care that an application is necessarily running in the background. I mean, Well, if
1: it's if, your GPS application,
0: yeah, then something like that it makes sense, but for most things like whether whether I'm on my iPod or whatever, if it can just kind of save the screen that I'm working on or whatever, that's enough for me. I don't necessarily have to have anything that's kind of running in the background. But that, that's just, I've never really seen much use for it other than maybe like instant messengers or GPS things or whatever. But I don't know, it, even if it was, I think maybe if they could find some kind of a balance between what needs it, what doesn't, something like that, I think that would be good for all mobile devices.
1: Yeah, the biggest detractor that I've had with Windows Mobile is the fact that their onboard memory is so, so small still compared to uh, any modern smartphone. Usually you have gigs and gigs of data or space on modern smartphones, but Windows mobile phones come up with half a gig of internal memory in which half of that's maybe usable for storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I've never had any experience with a Windows mobile phone. I've pretty much been feature phones and a BlackBerry all my life.
1: Yeah. I've oh. been rocking Windows Mobile for a long time.
0: Yeah. I'd, I think I'd still probably give up my BlackBerry for one of the old uh, brick-shaped phones. <laughs> but then again, I prefer... I care more about call
1: quality than email. But. Speaking of uh, connectivity, um, looks like a lot of old Xboxes, of the, the original Xboxes, are going to be losing their connectivity to Xbox Live. I was really surprised when I saw this story. It kind of...
0: I don't know. To an extent, I felt almost betrayed a little bit. Apparently, Xbox is shutting Xbox Live down for the original Xbox. So, no more online games of Halo or Halo 2 or anything. This all takes place April 15th. And apparently, this is for the future of Xbox Live on the Xbox 360, so they can get past certain technical barriers that they have because of the original Xbox, like the 100 friend limit and stuff like that. Right.
1: The question is, there is some backwards compatibility in the Xbox 360 to play some Xbox original titles. Is that correct? I do believe so, yes. So would it mean that you wouldn't be able to play those either, or what? Right. You
0: wouldn't be able to play those either. So, like, for... The like the erect Xbox originals or stuff that you can download like Halo 2, you won't be able to play that online, which I heard earlier today, apparently since this is taking place on April 14th Bungie is going to have a big event, basically it's a big send-off for Halo 2 on April 15th where they're trying to get as many Halo 2 players as they can to play Halo 2
1: on April 14th Hmm. Wow. That's that's really sad that you buy a console and then they decide, you know, we're not going to support this anymore. And then, bam, you lose all of your online gaming and content, which means that a lot of the games will just, you know, be worthless.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of irritates me to the... Similar to when, like we talked about a few weeks ago in EA... Is shutting down the online capabilities of games that are just a year or two old. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't know. The way I always thought is, I thought that there should be two different Xbox Live systems: one for the original, one for the the 360. So that there wouldn't be, so that the 360 wouldn't have these um, Xbox limitations. Yeah, so like the um, friend limit and stuff. So that way, you wouldn't have to. Kill off Xbox Live on the Xbox just so the 360 can evolve.
1: yeah, they should be able to tell the device type by the firmware that's loaded and uh, be able to segregate them logically and 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 keep them on separate Xbox Live servers. I mean I mean it's not like Microsoft doesn't have enough servers to hold them. they should just they just don't want to maintain two different systems. They probably think it's too much which is kind of the overhead of running a console business.
0: Mm Hmm. Yeah, well, and I don't know of any other consoles that have shut down their online capability. I mean, as far as I know, the PlayStation 2 still has its online stuff, and I don't know if there's much in the way of online consoles before the Xbox and the PlayStation 2, not that I can really think of. Unless maybe the Dreamcast had it, but I'm not sure if it did or not.
1: Yeah, this is reminding me of the time where um, they totally just uh, disabled their DRM servers for their uh, for their music store mm-hmm. and abandoned that. So I think Microsoft is going to be starting a bad track record of just um, abandoning their old technology. Um, how would you feel if um, they come up with a new Zune and then stop making the new Zune software compatible with the original Zune?
0: Uh, eh, wouldn't bother me too much. I've got three Zunes as it is: one first gen, one I now have one second gen, and I've got the Zune HD. So uh, it wouldn't bother me too much. but Then again, I more use my iPod Touch anyway.
1: Well, true, but it would rev- prevent you from regifting it, right? You couldn't then hand it down to someone else. Same thing with these. This original Xbox. You can't buy an Xbox 360 and hand off your old original Xbox and say, "Hey, here, you can use this because I've upgraded." So the 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 aftermarket value just declines significantly when something like this is announced.
0: Yeah. So if you're looking to get an Xbox or any of the original Xbox games, watch eBay. I'm sure the prices will be dropping soon. Yeah. But yeah, sad stuff. But. Speaking of games, apparently developers are migrating away from the Wii and towards the iPhone.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think the Wii is not the darling child anymore. Especially after the the weak uh, E3 appearance that they had last year. Um, there doesn't seem like there's anything interesting on the horizon to take it to the next level. Now, if the Wii HD came out, then I could see that possibly being something. Or some sort of new... Uh, cross-functional app store for the Wii and for the DS or whatever their next handheld is, but it's just the future does not look bright for Wii, and just only looks up for um, for the, the iPhone, the iPod, and the iPad, because uh, Apple is continuously investing and, and coming up with new devices to take advantage of that store. Yeah. Uh, my Firefox just crashed, so I'm
0: trying to get all my tabs back here um yeah i was uh i've always believed that the whole um we moat motion sensor stuff was always a bit of a gimmick anyway and i think this just kind of is a little bit of proving my point that now the developers are seeing a softening in the wii market so they're moving to something that is getting a lot of attention that being the iPhone, the iPod Touch, soon to be the iPad, and whatever else, which I really don't think the iPad's going to catch on too much either.
1: But. Yeah, it's uh, it's lack of hardware buttons makes it, to me, awkward to try to hold on to that without some weird accessory. Um, it's just that I wouldn't buy an iPad for a gaming system. You might play it, but you wouldn't... I don't think that's its primary use, so... Uh, maybe if you did uh, like you were talking about playing with the Microsoft Surface I think the iPad might be a nice some of those Surface games would might work well on a medium like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe two player games and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, I I still don't see much of a reason to have the iPad myself. I'm, I, I still don't find any reason to have it, especially when there's no... F- there's not going to be any flash or anything on it, which fine by me. I think flash should die anyway, mm-hmm. but without being able to do stuff like watch Hulu and whatever on it, it, it's basically just a an ebook reader that's a little bit on the too expensive side.
1: Yeah, there's but, there's
0: there's no killer app for it yet. But actually, speaking of that, um, I saw a a uh, story earlier today where apparently if the iPad doesn't sell very well they'll look at or the they will immediately drop the price or whatever on it so if you're looking to get an iPad you might want to hold off for a little bit cuz it might drop the price might drop pretty quickly
1: yeah if you're looking to get an iPad you might want to hold off because there's something wrong with you yeah that too <laughs> but Yeah, what
0: kind of surprised me is the fact that there's still over 70% of developers are developing at least one game for the PC or Mac, which considering the fact that for years everybody's been saying, oh, PC gaming is dead, it's dying, whatever, that's a higher percentage than the 360, which is at 69%, or the PS3, which is at 61%. I was kind of surprised by that number.
1: Yeah, I, I'm wondering if they're doing sample sizes to come up with their estimates, or they're using real live data to come up with this. I have not
0: It seems like they're using live data for this, but I'm not sure. Yeah,
1: it was a little subset, but uh, it are, it is what it is. And but the thing is, computer gaming is not as uh, prohibitive as console gaming. And I think also that's that's probably some of the migration to the uh, to the iPhone or the marketplace because the cost of entry is significantly lower. You don't need to buy a development kit. You don't have to pay for licensing fees, and uh, you can do a solely digital distribution, uh, as, which is different than uh, needing a publisher and all that to do a physical game for a Wii. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that it does make sense that. Uh, even independent developers like one-person shops can still get in the game for development for the iPhone and iPad as opposed to one person uh, trying to develop for a console.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of gaming consoles, and just before we jump into our next story, apparently the PSP Go is their sales... Sony's sales for it is abysmal. So I guess they're looking at kind of like relaunching the device and bring, and having a whole new advertising campaign as if the device just launched.
1: You mean relaunching into space or into an abyss? Or do you mean to the public?
0: To the public. Although,
1: really?
0: if they would throw it into the abyss, that would be okay too. But I would just like to take this moment to say, I told you so, Sony.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But speaking of branding or rebranding, apparently Combi- Comcast is rebranding itself as Xfinity.
1: It's Comcastic is changing to it Xfinity. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know. It it makes
0: absolutely no sense to me, especially considering how much they've put into the whole Comcastic thing and everything in the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, maybe uh, that's. Do they think because they're going to be more a media brand that they have to try to shed some of this, oh, they're a cable company, to more, oh, they're a media and internet company?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I'm still not necessarily convinced that the whole um, buyout of NBC and stuff is going to go through. And I don't know if you saw any of this questioning with the lawmakers that – like Jeffrey Zucker did no. with oh. regards to Hulu and the, stuff last week. And, and Boxy? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I heard uh, about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, if they were going to lie like that, they shouldn't have even bothered going to the whole congressional hearing and everything. I,
1: what? Lying in Congress? What? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, not like that's unusual by right. any means. Yeah. But... Yeah, apparently, starting this week, they're rolling it out in a dozen markets where Comcast technology platform and products, such as Comcast Cable, Internet, and Phone Customers, will soon be Xfinity Cable, Internet, and Phone Customers. And you'll still get the same crappy service. Yeah. And the... Uh, and apparently, it'll roll out nationwide within the next month or so.
1: What is going on with these horrible names? First the iPad, now Xfinity. What's going on?
0: Yeah, I. The whole Xfinity thing doesn't make much sense to me. It, I kind of like uh, Gizmodo's little uh, what their little description of it. <laughs> Says, change it to the worst pseudo pornographic retro futuristic garbage marketing dollars can buy.
1: Yeah.
0: But, yeah, it sounds like Xfinity sounds like some kind of a name that Creative would come up with for a sound card.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you hit it right there. That's what I think of. I, I don't. It doesn't think it doesn't sound like something that I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm right, Yeah. It kind of it just
0: brings to mind Creative's X-Fi sound cards, and then maybe the Fatality series X-Fi sound cards. Yeah. That that that's what comes to mind when I think Xfinity.
1: I wonder who their audience is. Who are they trying to speak to with this type of branding? Um, is it they're trying to be hip? Is that is that you think that's what they're trying to do?
0: I'm guessing that's kind of what they're after. Maybe a younger customer that would much rather go to Fios than use Comcast.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I don't have much to say about this. <laughs> At least nothing good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think maybe this is just a way of... If you change your name, people, when they Google you, won't find Comcast sucks. They'll just find Xfinity. And then it'll take a while before Xfinity sucks comes yeah, up.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering right now, they're probably not even the first hit on Google, right? You think?
0: I don't know. I'm I'm guessing not, but I'm not sure. I don't know. That's one of the things that kind of irritates me about Google is that a lot of times you'll get different results compared to if you're logged in
1: compared to if you're not logged in. Yeah, I'm not logged in, and FanCast is the first hit on Hmm. for Xfinity,
0: Hmm. which I believe Comcast owns FanCast. Yeah. But anyway, um, speaking of strange things that just don't make a whole lot of sense to me, or at least to an extent, apparently publishers are continuing to battle Amazon over ebook prices because apparently nine ninety nine is devaluing their books
1: in the public's eye. Yeah, this is very strange because um, they're not they're not asking for more money; they're asking for Amazon to charge more. Mm-hmm. from what I understand. So even though the price is going up, that means that Amazon gets more money, not necessarily that the publishers get more money. They just want to make sure that... I guess they want to make Amazon be less price competitive compared to other ebook stores. mm mm-hmm.
0: stores. Yeah, apparently, from my understanding of this is... That Amazon pays the these different book publishers whatever it is they want them to pay. So it's like if they're selling the book for nine ninety nine or whatever, chances are they could be paying like fourteen bucks for the ebook from or that's what they're paying to the publisher. And then of course the publisher takes out their huge chunk of money and whatever's left gets to go to the author. Kind of like the RIAA and MPAA, that kind of thing. Uh, but basically. By having a 999 price, the publisher thinks that in the public side that's that it's kind of devaluing the work and it's going to make the price of physical books
1: drop because of it. And, but the thing is and that, that was,
0: that'll really hurt them.
1: Well the thing is that was the main selling point of moving to a Kindle was that okay, I'll spend a little bit more for the device, but I'll get the books for so much cheaper. Yeah, and and, and, and now that, that's being taken away.
0: Yeah, and that's kinda one of the selling points that I've been pushing when I've been recommending the Kindle to people, is I say the device will pay for itself over time because instead of paying twenty bucks or twenty five bucks or whatever for a new hardcover book, you're paying nine ninety nine. And a lot of books you're they're gonna be completely free, like the public domain books and stuff. Mm-hmm. That that's kinda how I've been pushing the Kindle for a long time and now I'm not sure how much longer I can do that. But and but Amazon isn't completely backing down. They're they've got a new program that they announced I think it was like a day or two before the iPad announcement, in that if you meet if the publishers meet a certain criteria and voluntarily price their books at nine ninety nine, then they'll get seventy percent of the book sale price. Mhm. And all of this is just kind of a way of trying to keep Apple from doing the th- kind of thing with the ebook market, like they did with the music market.
1: Right. They just want to do it. They want to be in control.
0: Mhm.
1: Um, but I just hope this doesn't. I mean, I I know if I bought one, just let's say got one for Christmas, I'd feel that this was kind of a bait and switch. And I would be severely disappointed if something like this went through. Um, but I do agree. I mean, if the price is the price, that's fine. Uh, but I, but if we're looking from this from the aspects of a consumer, whatever it is, the lower the price is always better. Uh, but some standard rate, like you know 99 cents for a song, that's something where you like, okay, I'll buy it because you know how much it costs. Instead of having that hesitation saying, well, let me see how much it is. Mm-hmm. have that
0: question, yeah, yeah it kind of reminds me of how Amazon set themselves up for the whole fight over whether or not publishers would be allowed to say if their books could be um, read by the Kindle to oh. the reader,
1: mm-hmm. yep,
0: where basically they put themselves in a position of saying, well, we want them we want people to be able to have the text to speech functionality but the publishers won't let us because they think it steps on audiobook rights mm-hmm. so it's their fault not ours and i think that's kind of the position that they're putting themselves in again in this fight and making the <laughs> publishers come out looking bad
1: yeah it's just amazing how quick that they turn it public so apparently like uh, as soon as it went south they were immediately on the pipe saying you know, we're going to take you off our shelves and all this stuff. And their retaliation was kind of spastic. Uh, But I think that they're thinking that they are practicing Apple-esque techniques and trying to model themselves after that. Uh, But um, it doesn't work for you, Amazon. (laughs) I know your company starts with an A, but um, you shouldn't just try to uh, bully people around. Um, But, I mean, I'm glad that they feel adamant about this, but I just wish they wouldn't keep it. As public as possible, I think they should try to keep it private and ha- try to handle it professionally until mm. they have no other uh, no other recourse but it is an interesting and I have to say personally i'm kind of surprised on how this is heating up so quickly uh, I mean who would have thought we would see this like a year ago of, of how how the the ebook race has grown and is actually becoming a competitive market mm-hmm
0: yeah, I'm kind of, it, it's interesting to watch to see just how fast everything is growing and and how fast the devices are evolving.
1: Yeah, it uh, seems like we're in the world of the slates and the tablets and the e-readers uh, with different e-paper technologies actually sounding like they're really leapfrogging. Um uh reading got popular again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But speeding speaking of reading getting popular, apparently online classes aren't making regular universities any less popular. Apparently BYU did a little bit of a survey or a little bit of a study, I guess, that where they did where they turned six of their classes into open courseware and they were initially afraid that it would cut into how many number of students that they would have applying to the school and enrolling in the school and everything but it turns out it hasn't helped or hurt the their enrollment rates this is only after like about 6 months of testing it
1: yeah, it seems like uh, programs like this, like uh, iTunes uh, iTunes U is becoming popular with students and teachers about sharing knowledge and courses um, that are uh, usually reserved for people who are physically at the university and allowing people all around the world to experience the same classes and gain some knowledge. Um, but I think the truth is, is that people don't go to school just for knowledge, they go to school for a piece of paper, and they want to make sure that they can present that piece of paper and saying, hey, here, this certifies that I am hireable with a bachelor's degree. Um, so uh, having the knowledge is one thing. Having proof uh, that you paid for that is another. And right now, our society is not based on knowledge. It's more based on uh, having the, the, the papers, the right papers to pad your resume. So until that changes, I don't see how uh, giving away classes could be a threat to "quote unquote" their business.
0: Yeah, I've long kind of given up on the whole degree concept. I I'm much more about experience and stuff and knowledge than I am about a piece of paper. I mean, piece, the piece of paper basically tells me that you can that you know how to do your homework and take your tests, but it doesn't tell me that you actually know what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that that's just kind of the way I am. I if It was up to me. I wouldn't be in school at all right now. I'd just be working on learning different skills and running with them from there. And as far as I'm concerned, if I need a piece of paper, there's certain sites on the website where you can mm-hmm. buy yourself a degree for $200, and which is a whole lot better than the... $200 or $200,000 or whatever it costs to get a degree out of a decent university in these days.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I don't know. That, that's just kind of a little bit of my opinion on why I'm not a big degree person.
1: Yeah. Well, the good thing is that um, hopefully this will encourage other universities and colleges to share some of their knowledge and uh, give some greater education to people as a whole, um, because you said a rising tide, you know, floats all boats. Uh, so I, I I would like for people who do want this content who don't have access to it otherwise to be able to uh, to gain some of this knowledge. Um, the other thing is that um, I think it was in 2005. I was watching uh, a Stanford. Uh, commencement speech by Steve Jobs uh, and he was saying that one of the best things that he did was drop out of college because he stopped going to classes that he was told to go that he was required to go to and he started going to the classes that he wanted to go to mm-hmm. uh, and so this will be something that I think uh, people will listen to lectures that Maybe they don't have to. Maybe maybe an English major can listen to a physics presentation, and and maybe a math math uh, uh, major will listen to a, a paleontology class. I th- I think that uh, and, and maybe you know maybe high schools, middle schoolers, or even elementary schoolers could take advantage of this content also.
0: Yeah, I've been a big fan of the whole open courseware thing and the whole iTunes U and everything. I I like where it's going and I and I think it's just all about skills and I could care less about a piece of paper myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But anyway, where it looks like we're running a wee bit behind, so on with the next story. Apparently in Italy, you don't want to be uploading or you don't want to be hosting user-generated content because apparently they're looking to Pass a law that'll hold YouTube and other providers of user generated content liable for the content
1: yeah things like this actually segment the internet because let's say that I wanted to roll out uh, a new user gen um, a new user gen website I would not only be able just to deploy it I have to deploy it and then put safeguards in it to either make sure that I'm monitoring the content or make sure that my service is not available in Italy because i would be uh in their jurisdiction for this law saying that if some that they could sue me and not necessarily the individual uh who uh violates the law so no safe harbor in Italy
0: yeah it's basically for if you're like a youtuber or whatever you'll be held liable for copyright infringement um any
1: definition
0: yeah, defamation, libelous claims, illegal material. So basically, sites like YouTube pretty much won't exist. Um, pretty much, and things like uh, Rapid Share and stuff like that, they won't be able to run in there. And what's going to be interesting is to see the battle that ensues between this and the EU, because the EU basically has a safe harbor provision as far as you. Um sites like YouTube are merely the conduit, and they can't be held liable for user generated material
1: yeah. so
0: I'm kind of I assume that this probably won't go very far because of that, but i'm I'm not sure this will be one definitely to watch
1: yeah, but I kind of hope that they do pass it because then they would have to defend it just like the whole Jamie Thomas thing um the it's in court because it is gonna set a precedent. And I think that Italy could be the shining example of what not to do, or it does pass, gets upheld, and then all these internet companies pull out of Italy, and then it, they send themselves into the dark ages. Um, so it'd be an interesting little experiment. But I'm I'm happy like I'm happy that things like that don't happen here.
0: Yeah, nobody will want to do business in Italy if something like this happens, mm-hmm. and basically the blogosphere and stuff on Italy will go away. Because you won't be able to – you'll be held liable for any comments and stuff that are on your blog and whatever. So yeah. I, this, I think this is just Italy kind of shooting themselves in the foot.
1: Yeah, Google would have to go away because um, you could do a search on something and if it shows up on Google, it could violate this law. And you got to realize because a good percentage of what's on Google is also in Google's cache. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if there's something a sense of, sense of offensive in the Google cache server, they could be prosecuted. So, because they would be housing the content at that point. And so, uh, no Google, no YouTube, no Facebook, no nothing. Yeah. Well, speaking
0: of illegal content, apparently there is a piracy privacy case going on in Norway. That's a very hush hush kind of a case where apparently this all has to do with a movie called Max Manus that was released in 2008, which is apparently a true story based out of World War II that apparently it's been the most successful movie in Norway's history and everything. But apparently, shortly after the movie came out, the movie got um, recorded with a cam and put out on the Internet, well apparently they're they've taken they've fought this all the way to the Supreme Court in and apparently there must be some kind of a gag order or whatever so no one knows what the rulings of previous courts have said or whatever but basically this is kind of all about whether or not um non uh
1: law a enforce- private I- yeah a private entity yeah
0: yeah whether or not non law enforcement is able to Request um, user identifiable information or supposed un- user identifiable information such as IP addresses from the ISPs through the courts.
1: Mm-hmm. And they've already had a court case on this. We don't. They. No one knows who won. But whatever that judgment was, the losing party appealed it, and now it's in the Supreme Court. And I will just assume that the result of the Supreme Court case would then no longer be sealed, and it would be public information at that point
0: I would assume so i don't know I'm kind of surprised that it's that basically everything's been sealed up to this point, mm-hmm. but then again, I guess i'm not real familiar with the Norwegian court system
1: yeah and the the reason for that is that uh, that they thought people would be um,
0: well, essentially, it would basically protect anybody from that wants to upload pirated stuff or whatever, because then group whatever the Norwegian version of like the RIAA is, they can't go and find out who's behind an IP address.
1: Right, but they can do an appeal to the authorities who do have jurisdiction to request that uh, to that information. But the thing is, with all the crimes that are going around. Um, it's not their top priority to hunt down these people. So um, their version of the RIA, or MPAA in this case, um, thought that the, that the judicial system wasn't moving fast enough. So they, they hired this uh, attorney firm to get that information. And uh, if, if, if this uh, is deemed illegal for a private company to ask for privileged information, that this is going to severely hamper any prosecution or any investigations in trying to fi- figure out who has done piracy in, in the future, depending on this case.
0: Yeah, it's the same as in the U.S. I mean, it's not really a top priority as far as, like, the FBI is concerned or whatever, unless it's some decent-sized ring that's actually selling the pirated material rather than just sharing it on the Internet, or unless if they if – this is like a movie that was leaked before it was even released to theaters. Then they care. Otherwise, don't even bother with them because they don't care.
1: Yeah, which is, it should be lower priority. Or, Mm -hmm. maybe they should just take all the money they would and and fund their own, like we have ATF, have a copyright arm of the government, and they can fund that and... They will have a higher priority in, in pursuing some of this, but right now, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want my tax dollars going to pay for private, uh, private pe- people's interests.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of the FBI, apparently they're asking to have ISPs retain user data for two years. This, it's basically for since what is it the 80s or something like that since like 89 or something like that i think it is there's they've basically or 86 they basically um required phone companies to keep track of who you call when you call how long you call how long you or how long you're on the phone stuff like that well they're basically wanting to kind of do the same thing with your internet and wanting ISPs to hold on to data as far as like when you visited a site, what what you visited and stuff like that, and there's no real um, definition of how far they're wanting to go with this, as far as like individual pages or just the website in general or what, but they're wanting to wanting ISPs to keep a whole bunch of information about you for two years.
1: Yeah, two years is a long time for the amount of information that uh, we're talking about here. Um, Especially, I mean, because you think about it, even if you're not surfing the web, um, every time that your email uh, client pings the server, your IM chat, every time it pings that server, uh, Windows updates, uh, weather bug, (laughs) anytime there's any kind of transaction over the internet, they would have to keep that. And what I just mentioned is probably something like hundreds of transactions in a 24-hour period.
0: Yeah, I well, and um, what was it, two weeks ago that being announced that they were only going to be keeping search data for six months
1: mm-hmm.
0: compared to, I think it was like 18 months that they had before, and Yahoo and they're going to keep Yahoo search data for like three months or something like that. So, I don't know, 18, or two years seems to be quite a bit of time, but uh, I certainly don't care for this idea. I mean, basically, if you've been using... Private browsing in IE or Firefox or Chrome or whatever—it's kind of pointless if they're if they implement something like this.
1: Yeah, and it's going to put uh, an increased burden on the ISPs for storing and maintaining this data, which could result in higher prices for all of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of prices, apparently a Chinese man here in the U.S. has been selling counterfeit Cisco kits, I'm guessing different Cisco parts and stuff like that, for a million dollars back in 2005, 2006, and he now has a two-and-a-half-year prison sentence.
1: Yeah, and apparently he has to repay 800000 uh to Cisco Systems, w- which means that 800000 is probably just a fraction of what he actually sold, um, at least... Uh, of, of equipment that's out there that's made by or that's distributed by this person, which means like there are some serious companies buying from this guy.
0: Yeah, I, this kind of surprised me. Apparently, he's buying this these counterfeit routers and switches and stuff from China, which these things are known to have like backdoors in them and stuff like that sticking the Cisco label on them and selling them as if they were actually Cisco products.
1: Yeah, which means that also that they don't have the same support. They don't have the same warranty. Uh, this could be a lot of problems if someone who has some of this counterfeit equipment in their infrastructure. Uh, and also, also means that they have not vetted their vendors correctly.
0: Mm-hmm. You'd think that if you're going to buy, spend some major money on upgrading like routers and stuff, you'd actually contact Cisco to buy from them directly. Not some guy who's selling them out of the trunk of his car.
1: Right, or some company like Newegg or, I mean not Newegg, but Tiger Direct or something that does enterprise uh, level of hardware.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody that you know and can trust.
1: Mm-hmm. Not, not like, hey, psst, hey, psst, you want to buy a Cisco router?
0: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I need to get me a new router, or I at least need to get me a gigabit switch, because I want to go gigabit on everything on my network. All my devices are all gigabit, it's just the router's still not gigabit, so I need to do some upgrading myself. So I need to find me a good Cisco switch or router or something like that. But anyway, that would be all of the stories, which, now yeah, we're still about running right about on time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But we do have three tips of the link, and, then, and you can also find these in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. The first is the five best podcast managers. This is a list compiled by Lifehacker, it includes Key Potter which is for Windows, Mac, Linux and it's all free. It's kind of a no-frill simple podcast manager but it gives you some power as far as lots of options and some perks and stuff and it'll sync with iPods and and all kinds of different devices. And I haven't tried it myself but it looks like it'd be pretty decent. Then there is the Zune software, which is just for Windows and it's free. Which I have it and I love it. I prefer it more to I prefer it to iTunes or anything else I've ever used. It's just it's a nice interface, real simple and easy to use. I've got some issues with the Zune, but I've never really had any issues with the Zune software itself. And we are listed on the Zune Marketplace, so make sure to subscribe to us on there if that is your podcatcher of choice. Then there is the Miro, um, I'm not sure how to best describe Miro, it's it's a lightweight open source video and podcast manager that does a lot with streaming and web-based media. And I've heard tons of great things about it over the years. It's for Windows, Mac, and Linux, it's free. Then there is iTunes as well, which is for Windows and Mac of course, and it's free. And it's not too bad. I like it. It's it it it's got some nice stuff to it, which I'm, I'm sure most people use iTunes anyway. And then there's Juice, which used to be known as iPodder. This was the first um, podcatcher that I used. And that is for Windows, Mac, and Linux, and it's free. It is one of the, the stripped-down, no-frills, basic grab-your-podcast-and-that's-it kind of podcatcher.
1: Yeah, it, I'm sad that they haven't really done anything with it all these years. It's still the same old, stale code.
0: Yeah, I was, I've i always kind of hoped that they had done more. That's kind of one of the reasons I moved to Zune and now to iTunes is because I used to like iPod or, or Juice when they changed the name, but they just never did anything to make it any better than it has been for years. But at least it's a nice little system anyway and our second tip of the week is if you're going to buy office twenty two 2007 don't buy it until after March 5th I don't know if this is true or not this is apparently a leak from a Microsoft office upgrade plan but apparently there's if you're wanting office 2010 but you need office now Wait to buy Office 2007 until after March 5th, then you'll get Office 2010 for free, assuming the rumor is true. I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it's not, I'm hoping it is, but I have no information either way. All I know is the rumor itself. But
1: And if you need a short-term solution to get you by until that date, you can always use the beta of 2010.
0: Actually, I think I saw last week something about the release candidate being out.
1: I heard there's a release candidate, but that's only to their subscri- subscribers, not to the general public.
0: Mm. Well, either way, yeah, the beta is nice. I have it, and I've been using it myself. And I believe the uh, release candidate for Visual Studio came out today as well, and I think there was something else, but I don't remember what. But yeah, if you need an office, just get the beta or whatever to get you by, at least until March 5th. Or don't forget, there's always open office or... Google Docs, which is my preferred thing for just the real simple stuff. But speaking of Google, our third tip is how to enter safe mode in Google Chrome. Now that Chrome has lots of extensions and stuff, if one of those extensions happens to screw up Chrome, this basically allows you to, with a shortcut, enter incognito mode, which is their private browsing mode, which turns off all the extensions so you can then go in and disable whatever extension has caused Chrome to not boot or whatever. So if you're looking for a safe mode in Chrome, which doesn't really exist, but as far as like getting rid of all of the um, extensions for a little bit so you can troubleshoot them or whatever, this is the tip for you. But anyway, that is basically everything from the show this week. Don't forget you can donate at globalgeeknews.com/donations for if you want to name your own amount anything over $10 will get you a mention on the show and anything or no that'll get you allow you to put whatever link you want on the site anything above 25 will get you a mention on the show and I'm still working on coming up with some goodies for like anything 100 bucks or more And there's also now a button, like on the last, the most recent, I don't know, 30 podcasts or so, for a subscription. If you'd like to subscribe for $5 a month to this show, I'd really appreciate it. If we could get everybody that's a listener to subscribe, we could pay off our server bills that that have kind of been mounting up over the past couple of years, all of the... um, domain fees, and we could start looking into upgrading our equipment and stuff so we can actually do a little bit more with the show. So if you could please donate 5 bucks a month, just the $5 a month subscription, we'd really appreciate it. All this basically is is what you'd spend on a Starbucks coffee or its parking meter fees or whatever. Not much. It's all we ask, $5 a month, or at least tell everybody you know about the show. Tell, them, tell your friends, t- tell your family, tweet about it, share it on Facebook, whatever. Speaking of which, you can fan us on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter, which the show is at Global Geek News on Twitter. I am at PCNerd37. Wesley is at Wesley83. And if there, if you have any questions, comments, anything regarding the show or whatever, feel free to message any of the accounts. Mine, Wesley's, the Global Geek News. Probably the Global Geek News would probably be the best. But, anyway, that is pretty much all we have for this week, unless there's anything you'd like to throw in there, Wesley.
1: I know. Just thank you all for being patient with my uh, continuous absence over the past month or so. And um, I look forward to showing up next week. Let's do this.
0: Yeah, Any anytime you need off, just let me know. Yeah, we will do. I don't mind doing this show's solo every once in a while. It's kind of fun sometimes.
1: But anyway, we will see you guys next week. Later. Later.